Good morning, every nation. So it's good to be in the house of the Lord. God is doing amazing things. We're looking forward to the testimonies that are going to come through just the prayer that we had earlier in the presence of God. Wasn't that worship awesome? Sure, God is doing something. We're really looking forward to going deep. And as we go deep in Him, we're going to experience the great revival that we've been praying for. I don't know if you heard about some testimonies coming out of Cape Town that about 12 uh, of this member of a gangster, they um, gave their lives to the Lord yesterday, and they handed over their guns in exchange for Bibles. <laughs> How is that for Jesus? Amen. Praise God. This is a... The work that God is doing in our country, and we believe that what he, the work that He has begun, He'll bring it to completion. Today is Palm Sunday. So I don't know about you, if you grew up Catholic like myself, I was expecting some of you to bring your palm branches, and you didn't bring your palm branches. At least David Webb and I, we really thought about it this morning. We did think, you thought about, I'm in, good, I'm in a good place. So friends, this is a Sunday where we commemorate and thinking about the coming of Jesus leading up to the Passover weekend where he was to be crucified and to die on the cross for our lives, for us to live lives of freedom. As we were worshiping and some of the songs speaking about freedom, it was just a declaration of who we are in Jesus Christ. And this is so much in line with the series that we're doing, Eyewitness News. And we're talking about the eyewitness who is Peter, based on the scripture that says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So when we look through the eyes of Peter, who says, I am a witness, I've walked with Jesus, I've served with Jesus, I've touched Jesus, I've smelled him, I'm a witness of what he has done. So when we think about this Passover and Easter season, we reflect on uh, one of the eyewitnesses, and this is Peter. Last week, uh, Pastor Dennis shared so well, reminding us of uh, Peter's encounter with Jesus on his boat and how Jesus stepped into Peter's world to get to know him better and then called him to be one who will follow him, one who will fellowship and who will fish for the lost. I really loved what Dennis shared with us when he said that it is through obeying the word that we experience the power of the word. It is not only through reading and hearing the word, but it is through obeying the word, the words of Peter, at your will, Lord, we will throw in the nets. At your will, Lord, we will obey. So today we continue, and our focus is going to be, who do you say I am? We have heard about the great question. We've heard about the great commission. Today we're looking at the great question. As we look at the great question, it is coming from Matthew chapter 16, where we're going to reflect on another encounter that Peter had with Jesus. And at this point, we are told how Peter was having this mighty, extraordinary revelation that he had from the Father, that Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this, but only my Father in heaven. I want to start by saying this to you. It is when we tell who He is, He tells us who we are. It is when we tell Jesus and we get a revelation of who He is, He tells us who we are. I don't know if you realize that when we worship and we raise our hands up high, we're busy telling Him who He is, He starts to define us. 
And we don't want to be defined by the world. We want to be defined by this Jesus. We want to be defined by God. When we come together and worship, He defines us. It is when we tell who He is, He tells us who we are. So we're going to go to um, uh, the scripture, the text today, which is on uh, Matthew chapter 16. I'm reading from verse 13. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Peter means Petrus, by the way. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. May the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word. Amen. Amen. As we listen to this particular verse of scripture, and as we read, there are a couple of things I want to bring your attention to that I believe God is speaking to us today. The first thing I want to bring your attention to is when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked a very important question. And we ask ourselves, why would he choose to ask this question in, in Philippi? He could have asked this question in Ephesus. He could have asked this question in, in, in other places. But he chose to ask it in Philippi. And Philippi was a coastal city, but it was also known for the worship of idols. It was known for people worshiping all kinds of gods, small g, not capital G. And it was at this point that Jesus chose to ask this question because people there were confused about who Jesus is. So the first question I want us to look at here that comes from the mouth of Jesus, who do people say I am? Some replied, you are John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. How many religions today still see Jesus as just one of the prophets? How many religions today still believe that Jesus was one of the prophets who just came and died? They don't even know that he rose from the dead. I mean, I watched a video clip recently just as I was preparing for the sermon, and I was so blown away. A guy went around with a microphone and just asking a few people, who is Jesus? Do you know who is Jesus? The first person to answer was saying, now you're causing trouble. <laughs> Imagine like you're just asking who is Jesus. The guy says, no, 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 you're causing us trouble. Let's not talk about who Jesus is. Other people came up with their own thing. He's the grandpa grandfather of the faith. And others said he was just a man who came and died. They don't even know that he rose from the dead. And as I look at this, I ask myself, why did they say he's John the Baptist? They thought it's John the Baptist because John had just arrived. And the Bible says John came to prepare the way for the Lord. And he performed miracles. But they thought that John, uh, Jesus was John. But that wasn't true. The other thing they thought is, they thought that he was Elijah. And Jesus was not Elijah. 
Others thought that he was Jeremiah. And I think the reason why they thought that he was Jeremiah, it is because Jeremiah was known to be a weeping prophet and a prophet to the nations and kingdoms. And you know how Jesus wept over Israel and wept over Jerusalem. And when I look at this portion of scripture, and I think to myself how they would have loved to give Jesus so many names. It is also because of the Jewish culture of the day, they would actually name the children according to the names of their grandfathers or grandmothers. And the reason for that is to honor the grandparents, but also so that the children will continue with their legacy. So they hope, and we also do. Because some of our practices today, we still name our children after the grandparents, right? And some of us need Victory Weekend because of the names that were given to us. Not you, maybe me. Right? I mean, I have three names from my grandfather. The first two names, I'm happy with them. The third one, it's Tolakai. So if you're Tswana, you'll understand the direct translation of that. It means, where have you been? I mean, how can you give a child a name like that? Where have you been? My, my wife doesn't like that name because I used to travel a lot. So you can see it's true that the names that we speak over people, they give identity and they speak of who they are, you know? So the redeemed version of my name is one who travels. But why am I telling you this story? In the world that we're living in, the enemy will seek to give us a counterfeit Jesus. The enemy will seek to give us other names other than he is the savior of the world. The enemy will try to give Jesus some names because of whatever traditions of men to try and replace who the real Jesus is. I don't know if you know that uh, some religions today in South Africa, some of the songs that we sing and the hymns that we sing, they have taken the name of Jesus and replaced it with the name of the prophet, whoever the prophet is. They actually use the name of a person because they've lost the essence of who Jesus is. But when I read John 14, verse 6, the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. There is no other Jesus except for the Jesus who died on the cross and rose on the third day. We don't have any other prophet. We don't have any other Jesus except him as the Savior. We don't have any other Messiah except him. So it is my challenge to you today to get this revelation of who is this Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Because it's going to lead us to when we understand who Jesus is, we will understand who we are. So the next question I want us to address today is, who do you say I am? You must remember that Peter, being a fisherman, he was like a diamond with rough edges. You remember that Peter, he was a guy who was very quick to speak before he thinks. You will remember that Peter is the kind of guy who will say, ready, fire, then aim. It should be the other way around. You must remember that Peter was very quick to answer, even when he didn't have to answer. The same verses of Scripture that we read today, later on, he also jumps out and he rebukes Jesus. Peter was the only guy who had the audacity to rebuke God. And God, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. But in this instance, I believe when God revealed to him, God knew the seed that was inside Peter. 
God knew there was something inside Peter, the ferociousness that was in him to carry over the mandate of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God knew there was something inside of this guy. That's why he gave him this revelation. But what do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Let's just pause there for a little bit. There's a significance in this word. You are the Messiah. Messiah means savior. You are the one who came to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus came from. You are the Messiah, and not only the Messiah, but you're a son of a living God, not a dead God. We do not worship a dead God, number one. We do not worship through dead prophets. We do not pray through dead people because we serve a living God. Can I hear amen today? And I know that some of you, because of the families that you're coming from, you're going to be going to visit the graveyards next week, Sunday. But let me say to you, Jesus is not at the grave. He's alive. He's alive. He is alive. That's the God that we serve. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the graveyards every Resurrection Sunday. Nothing wrong with visiting the graves to clean them, but not to pray through the ancestors. Are we together? Because our God is alive. Our God, He's alive. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is alive today. I don't know if you realize that everything that we read this morning and everything that we do, every time we gather, is to point us to Jesus, the Son of the living God. As soon as we move away from that, you can go and find another church. Pastor Roger said, Amen. As soon as we move away from uh, Jesus being the center of everything that we do, then we've lost the plot. Everything that we say and do points us to the Messiah. I don't know which language is that, but it sounds so anointed. Messiah. Verse 17 and 18, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. When I look at this portion of Scripture, a couple of things comes to me, and I want to share with you this morning. The first thing for Peter to be able to get a revelation like this, he was in close proximity with Jesus. He was in close proximity with God. Someone puts it this way, proximity brings clarity. Are you positioned for revelation? Are you positioned to understand who this Jesus is that we are talking about this morning? Are you close enough to his word and through prayer that he can reveal himself to you? Because it is when he reveals himself to you, then you can get to understand who you are. It is through the revelation of Christ that we get our identity. Jesus gave, gave Peter a new name, a new authority, a new identity. Peter's revelation of who Jesus is, led him to understand who, Jesus, who he was. And this is the main subject of our discussion this morning. When we get a revelation of who Jesus is, we get a revelation of who we are, the line of Judah. There is no other recipe except for being in the Word. The Word is like a mirror. When you see yourself in, in the Word, you, you come alive. When you see who Jesus say you are, you come alive. When you look through the word, you come alive. You get your identity in Christ. 
that seed that is in you, it starts to grow and you understand who you are in Christ. Let's be a little bit practical this morning. I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting and you think of yourself as small to the people that are in the boardroom. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you look at others and you think, man, I'm just a grasshopper to these guys. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. I know I'm talking to some people here. You, you, you've been asked to attend a meeting and you arrive and you're just shivering. You're like, maybe I'm not the right person for this job. I don't know if you've ever been in situations where, you know, according to Scripture, it says that when the 10 spies went out, the 12 and the 10 came back and they said, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and we seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes. That's believing a lie. How did they know that they thought they were grasshoppers? Those guys, there's no way that they would have thought that they're grasshoppers unless they spoke to them, didn't even speak to them. So we tend to believe the lie of the enemy that we have even put on ourselves. That we are small, we are grasshoppers. And that's what I believe God wants to go for this morning to bring freedom to us. I was sitting with uh, one of the teachers um, who teaches kids who are mainly from uh, wealthy families. And she said, we are overwhelmed with a number of suicidal cases. These kids, they seem to have everything you want in life outside, but on the inside they're empty. They are so hopeless. They don't have Jesus. There's no hope. And we have to help them. And as I was listening to this, I thought to myself, the enemy is after your identity. The enemy is after the seed that is inside of you because he knows that when you have an encounter with Jesus and you understand who you are, there is so much that you will bring to this world. Before I go to my next point, I, I thought I should share this story with you just to help you understand how the enemy will try to steal your destiny and intimidate you to move away from what he has called you to be. A couple of years ago, Lindy and I were invited to the Sama, you know, the Sama's Awards, South African Music Awards. We will worship. Our band was uh, also nominated for the Sama. And we were given a VIP tickets. And we were staying at the palace for the first time. My goodness, Dennis, the palace. This is, now we're talking. <laughs> we were really blessed to get these tickets and to even stay at the palace. And there were a number of government ministers there and there were other celebrities. And I realized at that point how we hero worship these people. We feel intimidated. But I remember my wife saying this. They do not know who we are. They have no idea who we are. We are sons of the king. We are sons of God. And who is in us is greater than the one that is in the world. You can imagine when I walked through the red stage, I was going like the red carpet with a swag. <laughs> Thinking to myself, they do not know who I am. We even got a couple of interviews, you know. <laughs> they do not know who we are. And every time I get into positions like those and situations like those, I tell myself they have no idea who I am. You know, I think Pastor Roger was the same when uh, he was emceeing an occasion where Nelson Mandela was coming to speak. I I'm sure he was just saying, they do not know who I am. <laughs> Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are a son of a king. 
And the revelation continues. It says, upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is the living rock. And we the redeemed are living stones being built together into a spiritual house. If Jesus is the living rock, we are spiritual stones. This is Peter, by the way, saying this. Let me just give you a a scripture where he says this. He says, and as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. That's the oikos. To be a holy priesthood, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Remember, Jesus being the cornerstone, he holds the building together. But when God said, and when Jesus said to Peter, you are the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. There are three views that we hear about the rock. I'm carrying this rock that I put on my bedside to remind myself who I am. But the views, the first view is this. The Catholics believe that actually Peter was the first pope. So they feel like this verse gives them a, a scriptural authority for papal to have the pope. I don't have time to go into that. The second view is this, that some people, most Protestants believe that, number two, that it is upon the revelation that God gave Peter that the church is built. The confession of who Jesus is. But I believe the third view, which is a whole lot more consistent with Scripture, is that when Peter, the small rock, gets into the hands of Jesus, the big rock, he will have massive influence. When Peter understands who he is and he receives his identity from Jesus Christ, the big rock, then he will understand who he is. And it's the same for us. When we, the small stones, get into the hands of Jesus like living stones, we become the church. We make an influence. We become these big rocks that can move the mountains. Now take the, the implication and the impact of that revelation that we, the small stones, get into the big rock. We can make an impact. We can push the gates of Hades. Because the Bible says that, and the gates of hell, Hades, will not prevail against the church. Now, remember that the gates of hell, as like the fortified cities when you have this, this big gates that would actually like wooden beams that would not be easy to go through. But Jesus is saying, guys, I've given you authority so that you can be able to break down the gates of hell to rescue those who are still living in captivity. So when we understand who we are in Jesus Christ, when we get this revelation, that small stone, big rock, we can break down the gates of hell and those who do not know Jesus will be rescued and they will be saved in the name of Jesus. We need to leave with that revelation. I can tell you so many times when I think of myself small and I understand that in the hands of Jesus I'm big, it makes it easier to share the good news. It makes it easier to speak of this Jesus who has transformed my life who has given me this new identity. Who do you say I am? And when you get that revelation of who he is, you, you understand the impact of this revelation and the impact of the gospel. Now my last point is this. This revelation speaks about the cross because Jesus is the one who came to die for us on the cross. 
and he rose again on the third day. So my question to you is, what does the cross mean to you? Because if you have this revelation of who Christ is, and you understand the power of the cross, it is at the cross that we find our identity. There's a song that says that at the foot of the cross, that is where I am complete. It is at the foot of the cross that I find my identity. It is through Christ's sufferings that I understand who I am in Him. Not on my own, but in Him. I want to be found in Him at the foot of the cross. So this is what the cross is. It gives us a freedom to live lives that are pleasing to God. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And why should we still live as slaves? If we've been set free for freedom, why do we still live as slaves? And this is what I would like to be a takeaway for us. That when we have been set free through the cross and we understand our identity in Christ, we can live lives of freedom. There's a story that I read that I want to read for you this morning about slavery. And I believe this story will help us understand whether after being set free in Christ, do we still leave as slaves or do we serve a new master who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Do we still, we've been set free, but we still leave as slaves. Listen to this. This is based in uh, America during the Civil War. There's a story that's been told before America's slaves were freed about a northerner who went to a slave auction and purchased a young slave girl. And as they walked away from the auction, the men turned to the girl and told her, you are free. With amazement, she responded, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he replied. You mean I'm free to do whatever I want to be? He said, yep. And go wherever I want to go. Yes, he answered with a smile. You are free to go wherever you'd like. She looked at him intently and replied, then I will go with you. Then I will go with you. If you are the kind of person that will let me live so freely, I want to be part of your family. So when I think of the story, I think about the many Christians who, even when they're set free, they still live as slaves. That's a choice you have. Or you can choose to serve this master, Jesus Christ, who is an easy master. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like how he puts in Romans 6, 18, we have been set free from sin and now we are slaves to righteousness. We've been set free from sin, but our slavery is not for sin, but we live lives of righteousness. So I'm giving you a challenge. Do not continue to live as a slave. Understand who you are in Christ and live a life of freedom.